was in my office and I had received an email from a little girl in India and it was three lines and it said, I drink water every day because I have to. It makes me sick. You know, I have friends with large organizations out there, large companies that have actually been working on this for decades. And it was funny, while they're sending me, you know, 200 page engineering reports, I'm sending them pictures of our prototypes. We, we would have an idea and we'd build it. I've been robbed at knife point, at gunpoint, at machete point, at mob point, at, I've had everything taken I own, you know, with me. Yeah, and, but still, I don't lose focus of why we're there. And it's like, that's the exception that, you know, I mean, we're here to help people do this. This is the ProCo 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting ProCo 360 because I love Colorado and getting to know the leaders of Colorado's most interesting and entrepreneurial companies. Today's episode features Jack Barker, founder and president of Innovative Water Technologies, a Rocky Ford, Colorado-based company that invented and manufactures the SunSpring water filtration system. And I met Jack Barker at an event of the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. His company's SunSpring won Yes, one as the people's choice, the coolest thing made in Colorado. I'm a huge fan. I mean, for $30,000, which may sound like a lot, but to me sounds like very little, the Sunspring filters out over and, and creates 5,000 gallons of fresh water per day, and it does it for 10 years with almost no maintenance. It's powered by solar and wind. Think global communities that otherwise would be victims of pathogens like those that cause cholera. Think also about things like emergency response, military uses. It's such a huge need. So, Jack, I'm really impressed with Sunspring, and I'm glad uh, and and that you're in Rocky Ford. So thanks for joining me on Proco 360. Right. Thank you for uh, having us, and it's an honor to, to be here and represent Southeast Colorado as well. Yeah, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Rocky Ford in a bit, but first, how about an overview of... Okay, um, back in 2007, actually, I was uh, I was in my office, and I received an email from a little girl in India, and it was three lines, and it said, I drink water every day because I have to. It makes me sick. And I've been in the water business for 25 years, and realizing, you know, we have the technology to help people not only here in the U.S., but around the world. And that was really the spark that created the drive in me, and it's um, I've had it ever since, to create the SunSpring Hybrid. Mm. Did you save that email? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, we have it hanging mm. in our shop. Has she ever, have you ever actually made contact with her, or does she know now that this is a product you created? You know, we have tried, and but never mm. have been able to make contact. Wow. That would she was literally, she was in an orphanage in India and we we're never able to track her down, mm, but wow. we did try. Wow. So, mm. so once you got that sense of motivation from that email, like what, how did you go from like, okay, let's fix this to, I mean, I know this is a long story and we don't have that long, but how did you go from that to creating the idea that you could fix it? First of all, how did you get that in your head? Well, you know, I started doing some research on the world water crisis. And, you know, roughly a children dies every 20 seconds from waterborne disease. And looking at the statistics out there, and then I started looking at, well, what are the solutions out there? Because maybe we would just contribute and help other solutions. And I started looking at the solutions there, and they're all gadgets. They're like Band-Aid solutions, like a little bucket of sand, filter the water, it's better. Uh, you know, there's straws out there. There's a lot of 
I call it low tech, high maintenance solutions that are out there that really aren't making their lives any better. And low volume. And low volume. Very low too, volume. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So in your backgrounds in water, right? Was there anything in your even beyond your professional background, anything in your life as you were growing up was like, yeah, I'm going to solve problems for tens of thousands of Never. people. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I got into the water business when I was about 20 years old by accident, just found a job. And then when I got it, I just realized even in our own little worlds, wherever we live, we are making a difference in the water business because whether you work for a municipality or a special district or something like that, you're responsible for people's health. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, but so talk about the very first germ of an idea to make a product. You know, well, it came when I seen all the other solutions that are out there. And really, to me, they just look like photo ops for people to go out and say they're doing something. Mm. And um, so I we made a list of what the world needs. I mean, what what I thought that this product should be. And one of them is alternative energy because a lot of places they need water. They don't even have power. So they don't yeah. even have a dream of having safe drinking water. Hmm. The other one was it has to be absolutely safe drinking water. And other um, products that are out there make the water cleaner, better, safer, but it's not safe. Yeah, it's all er. Yeah, so all the products we design meet and exceed the U.S. EPA standards for our drinking water here in the U.S. Yeah. So at what point did you actually think, I can, I'm going to build this? It's like, you know, okay, I see. It's easy to see that the solutions aren't there, but at what point does a guy who's never built anything say, I'm just You know, that email just kept digging to me, and it said, I never said, I want to build this. I said, I am going to build this. And we really from, from that, that moment, moment on, I mean, I literally, I had another company. I broke away from it and created innovative water technologies to do this. Wow. Where'd the money come from? <laughs> you know, we lived paycheck to paycheck and it was just organic. I mean, we didn't have any investors. We didn't, you know, we just would buy materials when we could and, and do what we could. So, you know, to, to be clear, it's $30,000. So it's not that, can't be that complex of a machine. It's basically, it's a, a membrane that lasts a long time. And it's a way to house and push water through the membrane, right? And you power it with solar and with, and with wind. But is there, I mean, could you just make one in a, a month or two and figure it out? Or was it much more You know, it took us about two and a half years of research and development to develop the Sunspring because it's, you know, we had to make it to to design a system that ran off alternative energy, stored the power, and then would pump it through the filtration, you know, was very complex because, I mean, the whole system right now runs on about four amps, which is very, very low. And that was really the key to developing the Sunspring is, you know, there's a lot of pumps that are available out there. There's a lot of different filters. Mm -hmm. There's a, I mean... At first, nobody would send us anything to try because they just we it just sounded like a far-fetched idea. But after we applied for our patent and everybody knew we were for real, now we have people sending mm. us stuff that they want in the really. Sunspring. 
Wow. And are they sending it to you because they want to sell it or because they see you have a higher You know, calling? I think both now. I think because uh, we yeah. would tell them we had the passion from day one, but they were just salesmen. And then when they seen our story and seen the product actually out there working, they want to be a part of it. Hmm. You've never built anything though before, right? I mean, if you if you know now what you, or if you knew then what you know now, how long would it have taken you to create your first sunspring? You know, it's really hard to say because I mean, it really did. We started from zero, and right. you know, I have friends with large organizations out there, or large companies that have actually been working on this for for decades to try to figure out a good alternative energy water treatment plant. And it was funny, while they're sending me, you know, 200-page engineering reports, I'm sending them pictures of our prototypes. We we would have an idea and we'd build it. And, you know, and so we just, and that's how we were able to accelerate the development of the Sunspring. That's so cool. You know, it is, there are, there are, countless stories in the past of, you know, big companies that can't innovate and little ones that can bang, bang, bang. And, uh, that's a great example. Really great example. Um, you know, the one thing you mentioned three key principles on which you were going to build a product. Um, and that is, um, that it had to be safe. It had to have enough. It had to deliver enough. And then we talked a little bit about ongoing maintenance and so forth, but you know, it strikes me that this notion of safety, not safer, but absolutely safe to American drinking water standards, if you don't count a couple of cities right. west. But, um, you know, but it seems like it would be, this is what I thought, like, how do you be Jack, make this product, the Sunspring product, put it out in the field, like, that would be so scary. I've got, like, water filtering bottles for hiking, and I'm scared to drink out of them. Like, you know, every time I do, I'm like, this is really, so what does that feel like for you? You know, for us, I, I mean, you know, we know the technology, and we know the principles behind it. But that is a tough selling point, even in the field when we install a sunspring, is, uh, you know, from crate to making water, I can set up a sunspring in two hours. And I've traveled mm. to 40 different countries doing it. And I've actually taken it on myself because I want to go out there and prove to the world that this does work. And very often, everybody's just staring at me while the water's yeah. running. And if I take the first drink, everybody drinks. But, but that happens, you know, people give buckets and things like this. The people that are even donating them to them, don't, don't, don't drink that water. And to me, I proved that, yes, this is the technology that that's safe for everybody to drink. Yeah. That makes actually, you know, that's, it makes perfect sense. Like when the person who goes out there drinks it, yep. yeah, okay. That's legit. Now, hey, you're listening to Proco 360, named best Denver podcast three years running in the last two years, named best Colorado business podcast. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the podcast featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is Jack Barker, founder and president of Innovative Water Technologies. I want to thank our sponsors, Via Technology hosts, Proco 360. Uh, and please check out the site at Proco360.com. Clint and the team keep it running really well, and it's a data-heavy site. Really appreciate those guys. Also, Kinsley Meetings, uh, they're our longest-running sponsor. Steve and Allison have been have been talking about meetings uh, post-pandemic, and basically the industry's booming. Uh, meetings are even more complex than ever, so call them for help at Kinsley Meetings. Also, appreciate our partnership with Colorado Biz Magazine. We've been expanding our audiences together, and they've become good friends. So go to Proco360.com and check out these sponsors. Uh, I want to talk about the idea of enough water. 
because um, Jack, like you said, other solutions in the past, you know, the, like you're talking about being able to give water or provide water to entire villages, um, hundreds of people, right? With yeah, one even machine? thousands. Yes. And really, the thing you have to realize in developing countries is every drop of water that comes out is consumptive. So that water that comes out of the Sunspring, they're drinking it where, the, you know, they're not washing a car, watering the lawn, any flushing toilets, anything like that. So if 20,000 liters per day could possibly go up to 10,000 people with two liters a day per person. Mm. Well, and the idea of, of uh, having enough, I mean, you've even, uh, your website even explains, I mean, in some cases they have enough to turn it into a business opportunity, right? You know, one Talk of the neatest that. things, one of our partners is uh, John Kaufman of Global Water First, and he started this idea eight, nine years ago of creating water enterprises. And when we would go out in the field, people would look at us and like, you got to be kidding. You can't sell the water. And But now everybody's starting to turn around and say, now we can go in a community, install a sunspring. If they sold that water at, you know, pennies per liter, they can make enough money to do a social enterprise and actually create jobs for the community and, um, you know, buy backpacks for schools, books for schools, medicine for mm. hospitals, things like that. They turn it into a business. And when you do that, they take ownership in the machine as well. They start yeah. taking care of it a lot better. So it does work. Well, that's cool. And, and, and really, you're not talking about a lot of money. Um, you know, as you mentioned, pennies per liter. So, you know, but, but even that is enough to start the momentum going, right, for, for some sort of level of economics, uh, le economic yeah, success. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of developing countries out there where the poor people are spending 30 to 50% of the money they earn buying bottled water. And in a lot of places, it's cheaper for them to buy Coke or Pepsi than water. And yeah, that's then the kids, their teeth are falling out, all kinds oh. of different issues. Well, and to be clear, I did the math. And if you take the cost of a sunspring, and I, I know there's some nominal costs associated with maintenance, play that against the volume for 10 years, it was like less than a, pen, a tenth of a penny for a liter of clean water. Did yeah, I do my did. math right? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like zero four pennies per I, liter. That's what I, that was the yep. math that I got. Okay. It's inconceivable, really. And, and so one of the thoughts that I had is that... Um, like, are you charging enough money? I get it. For an uh, for a undeveloped country, and you've got Rotary, who's your partner, and you've got charitable, other charitable groups that are partnering to put these in, but to sell it to the military or whatever, like $30,000, like, is that really capturing your value? You know, we, we keep the base price low for the humanitarian effort. That's why we created it. Now, we do have a military version that's higher in price because they want more mm -hmm. bells and whistles on it. So, and we yeah. tell people... You know, I, people say, you know, what options do you have? And I, we can do anything. I, I can make it sing the national anthem when you open the door, if you want, you know, but it's, it, we want to keep the price point low for the people that we initially targeted. And that's the, the, really the world water crisis. Yeah. And, and I think that's pretty cool. I mean, how hard really is it for a rotary club to raise 30,000? Oh, Come they're on. so good it's at just... it. And they... Yep. And and we've done probably 65 or 75 rotary projects in the last 10 years. 
That's that's really cool. And I saw that they're an ongoing mm-hmm. partner, and that makes a ton of sense. And to be clear, a couple of things that um, that I was wondering about. One is the maintenance is really low. It takes, what, per, per week or per month? Yeah, it's like an hour and a half per month of maintenance, but it's very simple maintenance. And the setup's super simple, too. I mean, you can do it in two hours, but somebody with the basic plumbing skills could do Probably it in four. Yep. Four. Yeah, that's incredible. So it shows up in a yep, crate. And, and I always tease them, the more help you give me, the longer it'll take. Because sometimes <laughs> we'll show up, there'll be three, 400 people there wanting to help. And you got to let them help. Uh, and we want them yeah, to take that ownership. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that makes sense, right? I mean, it must be. What does it feel like you show up with one of these in a crate and there are hundreds of people waiting to help you? You know, it's very humbling to me because... I mean, that's exactly why we did this. And, you know, and we've won a lot of awards with State of Colorado for export or excellence in export and Colorado Company to Watch. And then, of course, this, the coolest thing made in Colorado, that's that's yeah. the best for me. But the most rewarding thing for me is when we do an install and the kids play in that water and they've never seen water crystal clear. And then knowing inside of me that they're going to be healthier because of it, that's rewarding. Yeah. Of course it is. So to be clear, you can only put this someplace where they have access to some water, some kind of water, Correct. right? A river, dirty river, it doesn't matter, but they have to have right. access. You know, water, when, right? uh, when I was doing the initial research, I found out most places around the world, they, if there's a population there, they have water. Because otherwise they wouldn't be living. Oh, yeah, they could. They may be, be sick, yeah. but they have water. So we developed a system that is kind of that next step. Now let's purify that water, even to our standards here in the U.S., which is good. Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned um, going and watch. You know, having having a whole community come and watch you unpack and help you set up. I mean, can you think back? Is it or is it too long ago when you saw the first one delivered and turned on? Yeah, actually, the first one we delivered was in Haiti in 2009. And that was the year before the big earthquake in Haiti. And uh, we had the unit shipped down there, and I flew down. We were delayed, so we didn't get there till nighttime. And so everybody was saying, well, we'll just do it tomorrow. And one guy said, no, we have to go today, tonight. So we went to a slum. It's called the Jalousie Slum outside of Port-au-Prince. And there were probably 300 people there waiting for us. And we set it up in the dark. And we didn't have any lights, anything. So there was an abandoned car down the road, and I had the guy go pull the headlight out of the car. And then I wired it to the batteries for the sunspring and turned it on and were able to get the get it done that night. But there were at least 300 people there waiting for it. It's, wow. That's pretty cool. And oh, it worked perfect. just fine. Yes. Yep. Wow. Is there another installation that, another example that comes to mind where you're like, oh, my God, I got goosebumps? You know, after the earthquake in Haiti, in 2010, the earthquake, there was, you know, 250,000 people died in that earthquake. Within two weeks, um, GE donated 10 Sunsprings. We donated four, and we've had a, we had a couple other companies. So I had 20 Sunsprings to take down there. So I flew into Port-au-Prince. And um, and really seen the worst of the worst of any situation I've ever seen. I mean, you know, we were there to help, but um, every install we did, and it took three weeks to even get the units into 
Port-au-Prince. Mm -hmm. So while I was there, I was doing everything from helping them load bodies, taking them to the mass grave, helping with amputees. I mean, it was stuff that I would have never dreamt that I would. I would never volunteer to go do this, but because I was there, you had to help. And I went there for a week, stayed 39 days. And before you were done, you had set up all the sunsprings. At that time, I set up like 11 of them, but I was training Haitians. Then I came home. Within 10 days, I went back and stayed another 101 days. But because I, I just had to be there. You know, I, I just felt that kind, you know, were there. That's impressive. Um, that's really impressive. I mean, do you, this whole time, though, who's paying for that? You know, I, I mean, you could barely be, you couldn't have been making no, much money. No, I back donated then. my time, and the company was making money, but not enough to do what we were doing. You know, I mean, we just lived um, for 11 years now. I've rented about an 800 square foot house in Rocky Ford, and I've been there the whole time. And I, so all of my time is spent building the company and I knew what we can do one day. And I still think, you know, we're working to where we need to be, but until that happens, you know, th there's too much to do out there to worry about me or anyone else. My guys are, have good jobs, but to me, uh, I just want to get out there and, and do what we do. Mm. Wow. It, you know, it sounds it sounds so noble. Um, and there are other applications, too. I want to talk about those in a minute. First, I want to remind listeners again, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs. You could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado, in this case, Rocky Ford, Colorado. This episode is with Jack Barker, founder and president of Innovative Water Technologies. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. So, you know, it, I don't know. I wanted to talk, preparing for this interview, I wanted to talk about all the other uses, and I, I still want to, but it, it feels, um, feels awkward to shift from this, this wonderful, and I said earlier, noble purpose. But there are other important applications for your product, too. I mean, the military, talk about that. Talk about emergency response, which you kind of mentioned right, with Haiti, yeah. right? Uh, for As emergency response, we've responded in Haiti, in Mexico, Guatemala, um, Nepal, the Philippines after Yolanda, the big typhoon there. Me and actually John Kaufman went out there and installed a couple units. But then while we're out there, we're also doing site surveys for future installs. So we're making mm. connections and saying, yes, this can be done anywhere. It can be replicated anywhere. And so really, as long as there's water, as long as there's, yep, water, as long as there's right? a, a freshwater supply, you know, ready-made projects for us is like a hospital, a school, a clinic, and even small villages, the complete village. We, we've put a sunspring in small villages and come back six months later and the village has, you know, quadrupled in size because they have safe drinking water there. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you, and talk about military applications. I mean, you must be doing some of that. Yeah, I know yeah military, that. we yeah. sold some units to the Army that went to Afghanistan. Um, hmm. We don't get any pictures of those yeah, or any any yeah, details or anything like that. Yeah. But I did meet a guy, one of our um, welding suppliers said his son was in Afghanistan and seeing a picture of a sunspring, it said he's drank out of one. And so ah. that was that's about that's about that's the most cool. information. We also developed another 
we call it a Sunspring Mini, comes in a Pelican case for the military, that they have about mm. 70 units, and we're hoping for a big order with that one one day. That's cool. Good. Um, a couple of other things. I, I noticed a few interesting things I wanted to ask you about. Since you started delivering, and how many units have you now delivered of one kind or another? Probably about 800 to 850 units. All right. And no failures. No failures that, I mean, we're in, we're in contact with every single install that we've done via WhatsApp, Facebook, texting, you know, cell phones, mm -hmm. whatever. Now, now there are some say like in Haiti right now, we have 56 units. Um, Haiti is in political unrest. So I'm sure there's units there that aren't running or that were vandalized. That have been abused or haven't been yeah. maintained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. wouldn't really count. That's not really a, a failure in the technology or failure. What was built right? It would be that. just disrepair or neglect or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, we're it had a very high success rate. And it, it seems to me that based on what you're doing, what it costs, that there's like almost an unlimited demand. Uh, what are you experiencing relative to? impact on your business, growth trajectory, profitability, the ability to invest in new research. I mean, is, what you're doing is great. So is all of that coming? You know, slow but sure. I, I always tell people, you know, innovative water was my field of dreams. If I build it, they will come. But it wasn't that easy. You know, we built it. Um, I was down in Rocky Ford doing some consulting with the city with my other business when our patent came in for the Sunspring. And I mentioned it to the city manager, and I said, now we have to find a place to manufacture. And I was thinking Denver, Colorado Springs, maybe Pueblo. And he goes, you know, what are you doing tomorrow at 10? And I said, well, I'll, I'm going to be here. He goes, okay, meet me. He showed me this building uh, where we're at now is a 25,000-square-foot manufacturing facility that had sat empty for 11 years in Rocky Fork, and it's on 22 acres. And he wow. took me in that empty building, and I just I w was overwhelmed. It was like, we will never need this. And now we're thinking about putting up another building. And so wow. you know, 11 years later. We're, I mean, That's it is full cool. right now, and, and we're busy. Wow. Oh, good to hear. What a great, what a great story. And as you, know, as, you're, as you think about... Rocky Ford. And by the way, listeners, if you don't know who Rocky Ford is, go south to Pueblo and then go east about an hour and you'll hit Rocky Ford. Um, but, you know, you think you'll stay? I mean, you want to expand, you want to add another building, but do you think you'll be able to stay in Rocky you know Ford? Three years ago, I bought the 22 acres and the plant off the city. So that's home. We're going to stay there. That's cool. Any, any problem with, you know, I mean, supply chain's got to be horrible down there. I mean, between getting membranes and steel or aluminum or whatever you pumps and all that. Have you, that's you know, be we're brutal. right off highway 50 and we're an hour away from Pueblo. So there are some challenges, but we, we work through them. Uh, you know, we, one thing is we don't subcontract anything out. We build everything from scratch. So our aluminum comes in flat. I mean, every, we have a fabrication mm. area, assembly area, everything. But it's worked out really good. I mean, to me, you know, and it's neat to be in a small town like that. And every dollar we bring in is new money for the area. You know, we're just not yeah. recirculating existing money like a lot of businesses are. 
we're bringing in, you know, two to three million dollars a year to a small community. And, and, and you know, let's face it, in today's challenging worker environment, you know, you're not like you're not having to worry about employee employees like going next right. door. Like there is no next yep. door. So, so that's kind of cool. You can train people up. It's worth investing in in whatever training is necessary for a good quality person and. And they'll probably stick. Has that been what you're, yeah, what you're finding? Yeah, four of our guys have been there almost from the beginning. And, uh, mm. and you know, when COVID hit, most of our work, probably 85, 90% of our business was international. Within 48 hours of the pandemic being announced, we lost like $600,000 in orders. They just called and canceled them because there's no international travel. And so, I mean, I was to the point of, are we going to close the doors here? But instead, I called my small group of guys together and said, listen, let's refocus our marketing to the U.S. And uh, so 2020 was our best year ever. 2021 was better than that. And this year will even be better in 2021. So by refocusing that, and right now, all the international stuff is starting to come back come back so where did you sell these products into the u.s were these like flint michigan places you know we uh we we developed another product called a wall spring so we have the sun spring and the wall spring and which is a gang it's it's like it's like when you hang on the wall like a picture but all the equipment's on it and then we got it approved by the state of colorado in the state of california for public drinking water that took a year you know, just going through wow. the approval process. But that, could be, is that but that could be, is that for like campgrounds and things like that? It's or like is it for, for water else? districts, campgrounds, uh, you know, small municipalities, things like that. And we've done yeah. just here in Colorado, probably 130 public water systems in Colorado in the last five years. That's super cool. Now, when you look back at the Sunspring journey, what's, I mean, You've had a lot of success and a lot of hardship. What surprises you about that journey as you look back on it? I think the biggest thing that surprises me is that we're not working 24-7, 365 at our plant. You know, we don't have the orders. I mean, there's organizations like FEMA and USAID and these large NGOs that are just impenetrable for a small company. Uh, you know, we've had Bennett Down, Hickenlooper, you know, Udall, um, you know, Ken Buck. Ken Buck's probably the only one that's followed through with stuff for us. But they all leave and say, this is great. Here's a photo op. And when they leave, we never hear another thing. And but mm. so we, you're, you're truly on your own. And being an entrepreneur, if, if you think anything less than that, you're wrong. Because you are on mm. your own. And you have to... I say it's like a wheelbarrow. You have to lift it up and push it because if you stop, everything stops. Wow. That's interesting. Now, are you going to want me to cut that part out about which which uh, elected officials responded and which didn't? I don't care. I mean, I mean they haven't helped me out anyway. Well, then we're going to leave it in there. So when do you still, when you go on site and you see the installation, I mean, does it feel a different kind of gratifying now than it did when you installed like the first one? You know, I, th- I think now there's just a, a lot more confidence in what we're doing. Then it was like, 
like why I went to Haiti in the first place was to make sure everything's going to work right and to make sure we're packing everything in the crate and to just to be sure. But as we prove the concept and everything's working good, I kind of selfishly go now because I want, once you experience that, you don't want to let go of it. It's that passion never leaves. It's never left me. Oh, that's tremendous. Last question for you. What water problems do you see now that still need to be solved? Well, globally, I mean, you know, 90% of the waterborne disease in the world is microbiological. That's what we're addressing with the Sunspring and a lot of our products. But here in the U.S., I mean, they're talking about the forever chemicals, PFAS. Um, you know, they're even going to the microplastics, things like that. You know, there is technology that's out there that can solve these issues. And even like the lead in the water, say, in Flint and all that, really it was man-made. I mean, we put it in distribution systems with lead, you know, lead joints and lead service lines and things like that. Just didn't know. And, and you know, there's probably going to be more than that. But as long as we, we stay ahead of the, the problems with the technology, I think we'll be okay. You know, the money has to be available. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people just point fingers, but there are solutions that are out there, and they're going to keep coming. But, you know, another thing is just a laboratory techniques. They used to only measure things in parts per million. Now we're to parts yeah. per trillion. And so we're finding things in the water that we didn't even know were there 20 years ago. And wow. so yeah. are you going to be challenged to change that membrane out to catch You know, the membrane those? we use will be perfect for everything we're doing right now. But we we will, you know, every year we're going to come out with one or two new products and kind of stay ahead of the curve there. But the Sunspring will always be the Sunspring. And, you know, it's needed everywhere around the world right now. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Jack Barker, founder and president of Innovative Water Technologies, makers of Sunspring and related water filtration products. Jack, what a cool conversation. And thank you so much for coming from Rocky Ford. Uh, to oh, thanks so much. We're, you know, it's an honor to be here and to, to get the word out. Any opportunity we have, we still have people visit our plant that says, we didn't know anything about you. And we just want the world to know, you know, we're here and we can help. That's cool. Hey, listeners, glad you could join for this conversation on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. Thanks again to show sponsors, Kingsley Meetings, Via Technologies, and Colorado Biz Magazine. That's a wrap. Live, work, love Colorado. And that's that. Boy, Jack, I had, there's a lot to your story. You know, it's funny because a lot of people tell me, one day you need to write a book. And it's been, you know, in the travels, we've been, I mean, there's a lot. I, re, I tend to remember all the good things, but... We, we've been robbed. I, I've been robbed at knife point, at gun point, at machete point, at mob point. At, I've had everything taken I own, you know. With Seriously? Me. Yeah. And But still, I don't lose focus of why we're there. And it's like that's the exception, not, you know. I mean, we're here to help people do this.
and to me, you know, I've made several trips instead of taking a group of people to do it, one or two of us will go because it's dangerous. We'll just get right in, get it installed, get out of it. And, you know, it's, it's to me that adds a, you know, level of excitement as well. And, uh, uh, yeah, fun. well, getting robbed at Machete <laughs> Point, like, <laughs> we, seriously? Yes, yeah, seriously. Yep. Holy yep. cow. Wow. And uh, what'd you do? You know, you just try to walk your way. I would, I always wear like cargo pants and this side has my passport in it, my wallet. Then I put money in and everything. I'll give them everything I have. I've lost watches, sunglasses. I don't wear any jewelry. That's why. And uh, I'll give them everything. They'll point at that and I'll say, no, that's where I draw the line. Passport, passport. And then they understand they've never done anything. Uh, I was even once getting a haircut in Haiti and the, my driver and interpreter, we had a safe word, and it was it was yellow. If there's a problem, yell yellow, and we meet at the truck. And I'm sitting there getting done with the haircut, and uh, my driver stands up. The guy walked in the back to get something, the barber, and he stood up and yelled yellow and ran out the door. And I'm running out the door with the cape on. I threw it off. He's driving down the road, and I dive in the truck like Dukes of Hazard or something, and we take off. And he said the guy, the barber, was going to go in the back to get it to get a, a straight razor, because he's never. And this is, he said, he's never cut the throat of a white guy. And all the guys were oh. in there. They're talking Creole and laughing, and all other guys were in there and all that. And I came home and I, I cut my own hair for seven years, I like oh. almost like a PTSD of I couldn't sit in a barber chair. Wow. And it was, I bought clippers and there's been, you know, maybe two people that's done it since, but I just don't want to go there, (laughs) you know, but, but little things like that. That's a little thing. That's Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that story. That's super cool. Wow. Tough experience. But worth every, every bit of it. Yep. Cool. Well, let's wrap up there. Great. Thank Thank you. you. Do you mind if I use that story at the end that you just told? No. Okay, cool. Because it's kind of funny because people even at home are like, they know it. And it's like, I won't go get my haircut. It's like, I bought clippers and I do it myself. And, you know, it's. Oh, that's (laughs) amazing. All right. 